Hey, welcome to the Holes of Remark show. And today I am talking to Dave Pierce Rodriguez, founder of Prism Paranormal Research. David is founder of Prism Paranormal Research. He was born in Madison, Wisconsin, the son of a Cuban father and an American mother, fluent in both English and Spanish. He spent the first part of his life growing up in Spain, Portugal. As a teenager, he moved to the United States, currently resides in Miami, Florida. Between the ages of 12 and 16, David experienced a series of several life-altering paranormal events. In an effort to show his family and others who were sceptical about what he had encountered, he began documenting events that he was experiencing. After finishing his studies at Oklahoma State University in 1996, David co-owned a recording studio in Atlanta, Georgia, and learned the art of recording spirit voices, or electrical voice phenomenon, or as we know it, EVP. David started a paranormal meetup group in Ohama, I can't even pronounce it, please. Nebraska. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. The popularity of the group quickly led to the formation of the Paranormal Research and Investigation Studies Midwest, hence the anagram PRISM, because it's a lot to say in one word. As as of 2018, PRISM Paranormal Research is comprised of 15 teams worldwide. David currently works as director of PRISM South Florida and has made several TV appearances in both the United States, Latin America, television shows including NBC, Universe, Telemundo, Mega TV, America, Televi, Miri TV. David also works as an official ghost guide for the Miami Diner County, hosting events at several holding the Miami Miami Vice locations, <laughs> including Daring Estate, the Gold Coast Railroad, Railroad Museum, the Cape Florida Lighthouse and the Tallahatchie Estate, I might not have said that right, in early 2016, David was the first paranormal researcher to investigate on the island nation of Cuba, and hello David. Uh, hello, how are you? Alright, thank you for helping me with the pronunciations. It's not easy, there's some places down there with some strange names down here in Miami. Yes, um... And I, I see you said that you've had very several uh, experiences in your life that guided you to want to come in the paranormal. Would, are you willing to mention some of them for us? Yeah, some of them. I mean, the first thing I did, I saw, uh, I would say the, the, like the first time I saw a ghost would have been my grandfather died in um, 1986. And... When he died, I wasn't there in Ohio. I was actually visiting my dad in Washington D.C., and I came. I felt really bad that I uh, that I wasn't there when he died. So I came back, went to his funeral, and so basically a couple days after he died, I saw he showed up in in my bedroom right before I was going to go to sleep. I, I was still up, was about to put my head down for bed. I still hadn't done it, and I could feel something in the room. Kind of like that feeling when you're playing, um, I don't know, hide-and-go-seek, and you feel like somebody, you know, you can tell that person's coming in the room to find you. And uh, all the hair stood up on my arms, and, and I, and I look, look across, and I see my, uh, my grandfather sitting in a chair, and 
um, he didn't say anything, just kind of nodded his head and basically just to say that everything was all right, that he was all right. And, uh, yeah, from then on, just things, uh, things started happening. A lot of things. So, but that was the first time. That's the first event. I mean, do, do you, what do you think ghosts are as such? Do you have your own personal opinions what ghosts may be? Yeah, I don't know. We talk about this a lot with all the, I mean, this is a question that, you know, we constantly talk about it. That em, you know, Emily and I talk about it. We talk about it with, um, I talk about it with my friends. I have a lot of friends who are on, on um, some of these television shows, these ghost television shows, and we talk about it. And I don't think really anybody, anybody quite, quite knows. I mean, we're going to guess that, that they are people that are, that died. I mean, in this case, that was my grandfather. I mean, he felt like my grandfather. I'm positive it was my grandfather. And so I, in that case, I can tell you that is a ghost. Now, when you go to other places, and I mean, wow, there's, I mean, there's a whole gambit of things, really. If you do in, in possession cases, that's demonic spirits. Those really aren't ghosts. Those are, those are, um, you know, it's a whole, di- whole different ball game right there. And then you have just the ghosts. That when I do these, uh, I do ghost tours at this place called the Deering Estate. Did one uh, just the other night, and um, and we get there's so I've been doing it there for about five years, four and a half, five years, and there's a ghost in the third floor of this, uh, of one of the properties called the Richmond Cottage of a, of a child. Now, over the four or five years, we've, we've named him Peter because he's told us that his name is Peter various times. We get his, we get the same, he tells us he's seven years old. We get the same voice over and over again. Uh, it's his voice, different, different words. He answers intelligently. And then, um, so what is this? This this is a ghost. Is it a ghost of a child that died there? I don't know. Is it maybe it's an adult that comes back as a child, wants to be a child? I have no idea. These are some these are some things that I don't think anybody's going to know for for quite a while. I mean, we ask we can ask these ghosts questions over time and see what they are. But I, I mean, I don't know if half these ghosts even know that they're dead or what it is. And then you have the other type of ghosts, which is you know those kind of. Um, you know the the place hauntings where the where it's inside of the the limestone or inside of the wood of the property and and uh, that just kind of repeats over and over again and those I wouldn't think that's a ghost I think that's kind of you know it's that stone tape theory type of thing where it's just something playing back over and over again and they're they're not going to pay attention to you so I don't know if that's a ghost but basically I think that the, the realm of ghosts the realm of seeing any of this stuff probably intersects with with stuff that has to do with uh i mean i mean this is a theory that not just my theory it's other people saying it as well but intersects with the world of bigfoot ufos all all, any kind of phenomena like how are we able maybe it's some some dimensional phenomena how are we able to see these things and sometimes not see them and interact with them sometimes not interact with them um i don't know i mean that's that's there's even a grander thing than just ghosts Sometimes even even doing these uh, even doing investigations, these cases go from you'll dabble into the world of uh, the crypto world or even into like the UFO world. You know, they kind of you'll you'll intersect. <laughs> so well, well, I find that I find that myself. Um, I I I mean, this is not a scientific way, but I when I do research, I used I started off in the world of cryptozoology. And um, when I used to do a lot of research, we, we obviously you've got ley lines in in America as as you, um, and I find that a lot of reports are on ley lines, of, and then it's always connected between UFOs, cryptids, 
Well, it's, it's very Paranormal. true. And actually, in Miami, there is the ley line that goes goes straight down through what's a place called Coral Castle right here. I think there's a ley line right through there. There's also we do one of our um, we've done an event there and had a, had a ghost tour there. But we've done uh, several investigations, done a couple of television shows there at this place called the. Uh, the, um, what's the lighthouse at Key Biscayne? So it's the uh, it's called the Cape Florida Light, and it is the oldest building in Miami Dade, and it's actually one of the three points of the Bermuda Triangle. So you know that has to be something as well. You know that that building is super haunted. So well, no, yeah, I think a lot of it also has to do with water. I mean, down here it definitely has to do with water, and I think some of the stuff. Even look, here's another another aspect of it. Some of the stuff that I've and I didn't really even find this until we started until I moved down to Miami and started dealing with ghosts in South Florida. But there are elemental things that we're dealing with. In this case, it's elementals of water and things. I don't even know how to explain it, but <laughs> there's some strange phenomena that that um. That happens down here that wouldn't happen other places, you know. Well, a lot of people think it's to do with gateways, don't they? They reckon that. I I honestly think that it's all well, connected. Portals for ghosts, there'd be portals. You know, there's yeah. always in every house. There's like an area where that ghost is going to come from. Most likely, it's going to be near the power source by a garage. You know, a darker area, a quieter area, um, an area where you have more energy, less activity, and that's going to be the place where the portal is usually. And I don't know why it would be. There is it because of the energy, the darkness, the quietness that that, that creates the portal? Or was the portal always there and just happens to be that that's where they're coming from? Is it something that comes through, like, is it geolocational or is it something that's created by the house and the, the, and the electricity or the Wi-Fi or, you know, are there ghosts coming? What is Wi-Fi doing to ghosts and all this? Who knows? What is it? Cell phone transmissions. Well, I, I, I honestly believe that our ability to connect with UFOs, paranormal, comes from early man. Because early man had to be perceptive of his environment, what he lived in. And I think part of that is still in our brain. And some people can tap into it more than others. Well, I mean, I was at the Deering Estate doing a, uh, doing a tour the other night, and I was walking around by myself afterwards. Um, and it was, it's, and it's something you don't get in Miami. You don't even really notice it, but there's just no quiet. Like even if I'm out walking the dogs, you think, oh, it's quiet outside. No, there's cars everywhere, and everywhere I go, there's sound. You know, even in the house, there's air conditioning, or, you know, I can't even sleep without like maybe a fan noise in the background. So basically, my whole life is filled with sound. But then I go out there and I hear basically nothing. Some crickets, some whatever. And you don't get that in the city. You know, being in a big city is a different story. But out in the Deering Estate where they have acres and acres, it's very quiet. So is it that that place is more haunted because it's quiet? Oops, sorry, I don't know if you heard my computer there. But is it um, that it's more quiet there? Or does that help breed the ghosts as well? I mean, there's also, in that place, there's two, there's two Indian burial mounds. So I'm sure that has something to do with it as well. But um, well, the Indians were very connect, are very connected with the spirit world. They they fully believe in it. Oh, definitely. And, and what I, I think what I was trying to say there was that back in those times, I would imagine uh, pre pre nineteen, you know, pre eighteen eighty or something, the world was a lot quieter and a lot darker. You know, before at least before the before the light bulb, I'm sure that the world was darker. People wouldn't do things at night. People slept at different intervals, you know, and they must have seen things. They must have seen – no wonder they believed in ghosts more than people do nowadays. But they 
although I, they, they do say that 80% of people believe in ghosts nowadays, but I would imagine that almost everyone believed in ghosts back in those days because everything was quiet. You could hear everything. There was no lights. There was a lot of... I'm sure the ghosts were having a heyday. They're not liking it nowadays with all this technology, mm. I'm sure. Well, it's not, I like the fact those Ouija boards you sent me, those ones that you collect. Uh, because the, the Ouija board was... Um, I won't say the word invented. I suppose invented might not be the proper word. But it came about due to the American Civil War. Yeah, where, where people were trying to talk to um, their dead relatives. And there was, a, there was a lot of money to be made there, that's for sure. I read somewhere but, that the there's lots of things that can um, affect the Ouija board. And one of them is called the Idometer Effect. I-D-E-O-M-E-T-E-R. Like idio, idio mean, is it idiometer or something? Yeah, that's uh, the one. Yeah. Is it, is that, does that mean, is that where, be, when you're touching something that you would do little little tiny movements? Is that, yeah, is that uh, what that is? Uh, sub, sub, subconsciously, yeah. Yeah, I, I do believe that. So basically, I'm, I'm testing out something now. We, we met... Um, I know Emily was supposed to be on the show, and she's really sick. So, but Emily and I from Emily from Men's House Stakely from from um, Freaking Frag Paranormal, we were down uh, well, up for me, but she was down at a, in Kentucky for a paranormal conference, and we met um, a couple engineers from well, this woman Jackie Cave from and her husband from Cave Paranormal, and they had a couple of pieces of gear that they lent me some a couple of prototypes and one of them is this thing called the dandy well it's actually called the chtt3 but they didn't want to do tt together because the husband thought that that was bad having titty the word <laughs> and yeah yeah i can see the problem she, yeah, yeah, she renamed yeah. it the dandy and this dandy uh it is a box like a blue box that has it's all natural made out of wood has copper and uh i think uh it has a bar on the top copper things holding up the selenite you know, quartz selenite crystal bar that's holding three pendulums. And those pendulums, underneath those uh, copper pendulums, there are uh, infrared sensors, so um, tied up to a, to a sound generator. So basically, if they move at all away from there, and they're heavy, so you'd actually have to move the table pretty hard or, you know, actually flick them yourself. They, um, they'll, they'll make a noise, like a bing, they'll go bing, bong, boom, you know, so you have three noises, and you know which one's moving. So we were testing that out the other day, and we couldn't get, well, I guess where I'm going with that is that you, there, would, there would be no, no small movements or, from us, because we, we aren't touching those, the, the, the equipment itself in, in that case. So what we're testing there is to see, do, do, do these kind of tools work when you don't touch them? And actually, they do work. So you don't. They're not really. There's three people I think now testing these, and not we. We haven't gotten many responses back yet from ghosts pushing it whatsoever. But there's been like a couple weird things. One thing was that I, w I was. Uh, I had a group of people doing a ghost tour. Showed them this the, the dandy box, and nothing really happened. We had a, we had some EVPs and stuff. There was a ghost up there, but we were talking to Peter. But nothing happened with the dandy. We go downstairs to the second floor, and nobody's upstairs. And you can hear because I left all my equipment on, uh, and you could hear boom, just one bing. 
And there's no way for a pendulum to make one bing because it would go bing, bong, bing. It would go bing, 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 bing. It would go back and forth because it's a pendulum. It would at least have to swing twice. So we thought that was just the craziest thing, that it actually was effective when we weren't looking. And I actually think that one of the reasons is because we had the infrared camera off. We had the, you know, I, I, happen, to, I happen to believe that they see infrared light. I, I'm starting to believe it. Somebody was telling me this at one point. And, and I used to think it was just like a lot of things happen with ghosts when they're not on camera. But I really think it's infrared light. It could so be possible. We, yeah. we turn off those – that they just do, they do their thing when we turn off those cameras with infrared sometimes. I, I think they I think they do it deliberately. They 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 they, they, they go in look look red lights on look, don't don't show nothing you can't all right and you're going ah the ghost is over there what's well, not and then when they turn light off quick now we can talk yeah and not really does anyone catch anything on camera but well, I'm talking about the activity that happens at the table you know like that dandy going off or uh, maybe a REM pod going off it's always good as an investigator to leave that equipment on and when you're going to another floor because um those ghosts sometimes stay downstairs and they're just trying to get your attention and maybe want you to come back downstairs sometimes they lead you on a chase you know i've had a REM pod go off many times when no one's on that floor and you just hear you know from another place like what the heck is that you run and you go back and like oh wow have you ever been scratched or attacked yeah, I've been scratched a couple of times. I've been pushed. I've been, I've been on a bed that was shaking around. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. But definitely, it can happen. I mean, the thing is, you know, but really, do you, not rarely, but you just have to be in the right place, uh, not the right time, but the, you have to be in the right place. But really, really you're gonna find a ghost that's angry. You know, that angry that that can actually scratch you. You know, that is a that that's something close to demonic that's going on there when it happens. And there are some places that do that. I, I, we had a case in Omaha, Nebraska that that was happening. Um, people were getting scratched. I've seen people get scratched in some places, like one single scratch, sometimes three scratches, um, like a triple scratch, like three fingers. Uh, but, you know, that's a, that's a tough ghost to deal with when you're dealing with those ghosts. Have, have you ever with. been to a place or experienced a ghost that really scared you or made you feel uneasy? psychic with some bad things and I can tell especially after doing this for so long I can definitely tell if a place is haunted I can feel a ghost I mean everyone has a way of feeling and I just know how I feel it so I'm in tune with it now but um uh, what were you asking me so I just kind of <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was just basically saying if, if have you ever been to a place or experienced a ghost that say say you've not been scared but made you feel very uneasy very aware yeah, that's why I'm going is that I think a lot of times, and it happens to a lot of people, and it happens to me, is that you will feel that spirit. You know, you'll be in the room, and you might, st- I mean, I'm not a person who cries, but I might be in a room, and all of a sudden I feel really sad, and might feel like a tear come down. I'm like, why am I crying? I don't know why, but I feel sadness, and it's you're feeling that ghost. You know, sometimes I think, and it's not, that's not just me being special. I think there's a lot of people that are empathic, or, or even like you, you're kind of like a light medium in a way, and you're feeling the sensation of what what that room had or, or the person in that room or what happened in the past or what they're trying to show you or but am i ever 
am I ever really scared or something? I've jumped a couple times. I jumped the other day. If something touches you and you're in the dark, you know, you, you, you know, your first thing is to jump. I don't scream or anything like that. I, do I feel scared? Not really. I mean, I've spent, I spent, um, some time alone in, in, in death row down here in the Broward Correctional mm-hmm. Facility. And I want to be alone. You know, like a lot of the times, like even the other day we did a investigation of the, uh, my team did an investigation of the, uh, old Davy schoolhouse, which is the oldest building in Broward and, uh, built in, the 1890s, 1880s, something like that. And, uh, 1883, something like that, I think. And, uh, that built like, like every, it's hard for me being a founder of a team. It's it's hard for people for me to be alone because there's always people following me. And I know maybe it's not good to be alone when you investigate. But basically, sometimes in this in this facility, I had about six people around me, five people around me the whole time, and I just felt like I wasn't going to get anything unless I was by myself. I could feel that I needed to be alone to get into it, right? So I just. I mean, sometimes even in a group, you'll have what's known as like a paranormal chiller, chiller, like a person that just, you know, that the ghost will not interact with you if that person's in the room. So I just had to be alone. And then when I get there, uh, I had, I was actually talking to Emily uh, via Skype or WhatsApp, and and she was trying to, we're doing an EVP session there. And at some point, um, something, something touched me in the back. And then I got an EDP, so that's good. That was nice that something really was there. And she's like, I, she goes, David, you're scared, aren't you? I go, no, I'm not scared. The thing is that uh, that when somebody touches you, you know, it shocks you a little. And then uh, that's exciting. It's like, okay, I'll go in the closet. So I get in the closet, and that's where I got the EVP. So there is something there. And then I actually went into the I, I went to the, the bathroom there and got a woman, of a, vo- uh, a voice of a woman. It was a school teacher who used to live in this house next to the school. And uh, – I was saying, uh, who's here? Uh, anybody here with me? It's on YouTube now, but is anybody here with me or anything like that? And she's like, or are you here with me or something like that? And she said, it's fantastic. Just clear as it clear as clear as day. And it's wonderful when you're by yourself and you get an EVP of a different voice, you know, a woman or a child or to me, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's it is fantastic. You well, know, I don't, thing. I don't get, um, um, see things, but I, so after my near death experience, I, I um I have sh- get sometimes strange aromas, like one day I was sitting uh, standing in the kitchen and I had a sudden smell of death, like rotting, oh, rotting horrible dark smell. Didn't last long, but I, I yeah, get. What was it? What was that then? Do you know what it was? What, I don't know because I, I as I say I'm I I I, I I'm getting it more and more and. Sometimes when I'm talking on my radio show, um, I suddenly it'll go off for no reason. It, I'll get loads of interference. You're not, I've been... the, you're not smelling it now, are you? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no. Um, you're not reading the other person. Because let me tell you, I have one ability that, that, and that is I can smell death on people. And it smells like, to me, like death, like rotting flesh. And I, and. And I used to think that was kind of silly, but then I started smelling on people, and they and then the people were and people died. Like the last time I smelled it, I smelled it on my uncle, and oh no, I smelled it recently before that, but I'm not gonna say who it was. But I smelled it on my uncle, and he ended up dying a couple weeks later. So I'm positive that you can smell death. <laughs> positive. I don't think everybody can, but I, and I don't know why it started with me, but I'm sure you can do it too. It's not, and I've talked to other people. They can, there's other people that can smell death, and it smells just like you're saying. Exactly yeah. like you're saying. Uh, 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 it's the same. You have to know who you're, who, who, who it, it's somebody. You're reading somebody. 
because I honestly believe that when anybody goes through a new experience, because I've talked to other people who, who've had the same uh, like similar experiences, you touch something which is, I think, is your version of heaven. My theory is that we have an individual heaven. I don't think there's a bloke in a, in a, in a gate saying, Hi, hello, David. You've been a good boy. You could come in. Or, Hi, Mark. I'm sorry you've been a very naughty man. You have to go down to see the devil. Oh, my God. Now, I think I think we have our own, our own private heaven and our own private hell that we can create. And I think when when I was... As I say, when you have these new experiences, you sort of touch it. You don't. You, everyone has this feels feels different afterwards. Yeah, I would have no idea. Never happened to me, but I imagine that's awful though to go through something like that. But I imagine it opens up different. You know, I mean, I so I I'm blind in my left eye, just about. I have a epiretinal membrane; it's a thing in the macula, the back part of my eye, and um, and since that, I can see better in the dark. I sense things a little bit better. I it's opened up things as well. So I think when you lose something, you gain something. Well, it's very so true because because sure I think your senses become heightened. Yet again, I think it's down to early man because if you're deaf. You get heightened eyesight. If you're blind, you get heightened hearing. You, yeah. And sensitive to touch. I think most... I'm, I'm, please excuse me if anyone who's blind, and I do apologise. Um, I think most blind people have got very sensitive touch. I would imagine a fully blind person must, must have great sense of touch. Yeah, and just could, direction in general. Yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. They, they could and sound and hearing. Yeah, hearing they, must be super improved. They probably could hear you coming before you even got in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I see that you do a lot of television. Do you prefer television to radio? I do. Like I do a lot of down here. I mean, I live in Miami and I speak uh, Spanish and I speak a little Portuguese and stuff like that. So I get. Um, this is kind of like the Los Angeles of Spanish television in a way. So we have like Univision, Telemundo, all these places that are – they beam it down to Central America, South America, and here in Miami and then New York, L.A., like uh, maybe Texas. And I do – so I do shows on there. There's like a court show called Caso Cerrado that's like a like a Judge Judy type of show, and I'm like I'll, – I'll come in as their – paranormal specialist like, like like that type of thing i'll do some shows where they'll go and do investigations with me like morning shows and things like that especially around halloween probably like a, i do about a tv show about once every couple months is about like what i do and it's usually like appearances i don't have my own television show it's nothing like that i just get invited on shows i'm doing a show on nbc after saturday saturday night live here in the united states um it's called First Look with this guy Johnny Bananas from MTV, and and basically he came. I took him to the Deering Estate. Well, you know we did, we filmed it at the Deering Estate, and he I was supposed to teach him how to ghost hunt, and then he was going to go off on his own and see what he found, and then like literally like 25 minutes after he started investigating, the producer started screaming my name. He's screaming David, David. They saw like Peter on the on the connect, you know the little the SLS, the portable one that um that we have. And you, you could see this kid climbing up the blocks, and then he fell. And then so he records. He says, what happened to you? And he goes, I've fallen, because he has an English accent. He goes, I've fallen. And uh, 
And he's like, damn it, David. They call go over there. And I go, listen, uh, you stand over there, Johnny, and I'm going to stand with the connect in front of you. And let's see if we can get the kid to come come back there. And I think the kid ends up showing up for a second. And he goes, and I say, see, see if it's Peter. And he goes, well, I don't know if it's Peter because I don't know you. What's your name? And you hear him go, Peter, <laughs> like that. But um, I like the TV. TV's fun. I mean, I think it was it was it was nerve wracking in the beginning, but then you get used to the cameras in your face. And actually, to to be able to find a ghost at 11 a.m. in two hours with three cameras in your face, I think it, it like you get good at doing it. You know what I mean? And that's that's it's, it's, a, its own its own special thing anyway. Like it's hard to do. You just, you know, first of all, you have to be in a very haunted place. You can't just be going anywhere and trying to find a ghost at 11 a.m. But as, uh, as you I'm said, also, it helps that you speak Spanish, obviously, because it's your your second native language, I presume, considering as Cuba. It helps a lot. It helps because there's a lot of Cubans here. There's a lot of people from Central South America. I mean, Florida was owned by Spain before it was, you know, anything English here. So. It, um, you know, St. Augustine is the oldest city in the United States. Well, not the is it? I mean, in the whole Americas. So, it, um, not of all of Americas, in North America. So, and it's got a ton of haunted places. But if you don't speak Spanish, sometimes you won't even be able to to contact some of those spirits. Here, the Deering Estate, we had a guy two days ago who started to ask some questions in Spanish. He wanted to do some, you know, when we do an EVP session, we'll go ahead and ask, you know, do, does anybody want to ask a question? Usually everyone's like, no, 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 they let you do it. But this one guy said, hey, can I ask something in Spanish? And go right ahead, you know. This was, um, so this guy is asking a question in Spanish. We get tons of EVPs. So sometimes those ghosts want to speak in a different language. You know, when I went to the, I was in Paris and I did the Paris catacombs and I was, it's hard to get there by yourself. But, so I tried to get in between groups because they'd let 200 people a day in and but that place is huge though so i'm down there and they have, there are guards there they don't want you to really be be, a, be alone down there causing trouble but i'm there trying to do an evp session with some of these skulls and and you know i don't get much in english but you start speaking french and boom not that my french is great but i, I learned a little and then that's when the evp start coming when you start speaking french so i don't know well, well obviously they, they're like us it's like i mean Obviously, you never. If, if you like us, the English, when we go abroad, we don't try to speak different languages. We sort of point at things and go, you know, like a cup of tea. We like sort of make a sign, like tea, drink. <laughs> we're very, yeah, we're very lazy. But that's an, it's a, another question. Like I, I'm good friends with the guy named Rob Demaris from Ghost Hunters International. And he lives down here in South Florida, and I investigate with him a lot. And he, one of the first questions I had for him was, uh, you know, you only speak English, yet you're going to Transylvania and uh, Bogota, Colombia, and, you know, all these, Brazil, you know, and you're looking for ghosts in these countries, yet you don't speak any of these languages. Uh, how are they interacting with you? Like, do they, and he thinks that they just, it doesn't matter that they'll they'll speak your language that they can because they're dead and they can so to me I get more questions when I speak it in the language the proper language but they do still interact with you I mean you can put the gadgets out and go is there anybody here with me and probably whether you're you know imagine if you didn't if you're a dead ghost and you only speak French and I'm there hey can you speak to me can you speak to me I'm gonna say who's this idiot and I still may interact with him but <laughs> I would imagine that in that language it's better but they do answer in your language or they'll answer in their language so he said they had no problem with it on Ghost Hunters International. So. Do you think it's important to maintain the, the history of buildings as well? 
Like, you know, when you do your investigations, some of these properties are sometimes a little bit dilapidated. And do you think it's important to keep the historical side of the paranormal going as well? Well, most of the buildings I go into are just, I mean, we don't, I don't go into like anything illegally. Um, you know, sometimes it's a fine line, I guess. I mean, <laughs> not saying that's a fine line. We go, we break in anywhere. Don't break in anywhere. But there's some places that are abandoned. We like, we were doing, uh, it, now it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's been torn down, but this place called the Broward Correctional Facility that used to house, that had, um, had death row in there. It housed, uh, like if you ever saw that movie Monster, with, I forget what her name is, a great actress. But anyway, she uh, was uh, a, uh, a late, well, she played a late Tourist, Bornos, serial killer. Yeah, yeah, I've seen and, that. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, the South African. Uh, she married um, Chris Penn, and um, she she uh, so Elaine Warnos was in there for twelve years. There was another woman named Judy Benawano who poisoned her husband. Uh, multiple husbands and killed her son too. And then when she ended up killing one husband with to get their insurance money, she killed um she killed one husband with a bomb and exploded his car. And that's when she got caught because that was a little over the top. So she would she did eleven years there or something. And and this place was just like a gold mine. I mean, I'm like you have to investigate a place that's going to get torn down like that. You know, I mean, and it was super super haunted, right? So um, to get in there. You know, um, we have some. We luckily we're friends with a, a team of. Uh, there's a paranormal investigating team. They don't exist anymore, but some of them still investigate. But they're all police officers, so we we know we went with police officers. We're allowed to get in there. That's a, so. But in that place, it's dilapidated. Now in those places, there's a lot of. We, when we were there, we saw a lot of teenagers that just tried to come in there. Some people lit a fire and actually lit a fire in a building. We had to call nine one one. Call them. Um, call the uh, emergency to get to get them to turn off of you know because some teenagers lit a fire in the library or whatever it was some kind of storage shed so um and that obviously like i don't you know people should not go into places that they're not supposed to go into they shouldn't i mean it's dangerous these places but i mean sometimes you have to go in to investigate now what's the question you're asking about it though if you go into a delay that do you have to well i'm basically saying you should if you've got a building saying like over here um that's is of historical interest that you should also respect that keep that alive as well because a lot of paranormal people I talk to are also interested in the history of the building that they investigate. Well, yeah, you have to be. I think like I think that's probably I mean that's a good fifty percent of what, what we're doing anyway. I mean, if the, if you, there's no history in that building, what you're trying to do when you're looking for the ghost is find out who, the history of who was there in the first place, who was the person that lived there that died there, and then when you, you're in that place, the most haunted places are the ones with the richer history, the ones of and the and the places that are like even the Deering Estate that I do is beautiful. I mean, it's it's a state it's a state park. I don't know, it's owned by the by the by the park, so it's um. There's a lot of money that goes into there. The foundation, Deering Foundation, puts a lot of money into. Uh, they get a lot of money. We do these tours, and all that money goes to the to the Deering Estate. Goes back into. I mean, that's one of the reasons we do events, I guess, too, because I mean that that's putting money. Not I guess, but it is. It's putting money back into that back into the, into that property that we're investigating, 
And when we do a tour, I go, even at the Deering Estate, it's me doing the paranormal stuff, but then next to me is a tour guide. Now, they don't really say much, but if someone has a question, I'm not going to make up an answer like uh, he died in 1926 when it really died. He died in 1924, and the, the guide knows it. I'd rather have them tell it, and then me t- you know, I'll tell you I don't know, early 20s, mid-20s, something like that. But it is, it's nice to know the history, and it helps out a lot because then it helps you find out who you're talking to. Yeah, so that's, that's why I thought I'd bring that point up, because a lot of people don't realise that. I mean, I, I, I've talked to some panel groups that uh, they say that some people don't like sharing information about where locations are. Or Well, that, that happens here. I mean, it, it does happen here, because there is, there, luckily there aren't many teams... Emily and I have talked about this a lot, but I mean, anybody who anybody who's like a founder of a team probably knows this in a big city. But you have a lot of competition, and a lot of I would say that seventy-five, eighty-five percent of people in this business, they just if you call it business, they they like to steal. So if you they they like to say oh this is the place that's haunted someone's been there before let's go there and let's try to either disprove or prove or find your own stuff but they want to take that location from you so and that's and that's like and then so then you lead to this thing of should I, do I need to protect it do I not now when you're doing an event or you're doing anything like that the the places I mean let I'll go back to the Broward Correctional Facility when we knew this place I, I had a guy named um, a, a a team bring me into this place, this guy named George Mercado. So he brings me in there, and he says, you can't tell anybody because this place is, first of all, it's illegal for people to come in here unless you're coming in with cops, and we can't have everyone and their mom coming in here because it's gonna, they're not supposed to, and we don't, you don't want all that, I don't know. That, that place is a little different because it it's just dangerous, but you can't, there's just so many reasons for not telling people <laughs> of, of the place, and, and I know it sounds selfish, but a lot of times, like up in Broward County, there's there's probably 45 teams, if not 50 teams. So if if you um, if you if you find a location, a new location, everyone and their mom tries to come down there. Every team tries to take it from you, and then all of a sudden you can't get in there anymore, and then it's it ends up like a battle, and it's just the strangest thing. It's unfortunately there's there's weird things that happen in paranormal in the paranormal world that has nothing to do with paranormal it has to do with people being jerks and people being mean and people being trolls and people stealing and people um uh, taking your photos stealing evidence uh stealing your equipment it's that is just the rules of the road you know especially in a big city so sometimes i understand the secrecy now if you're now i I do know this, that if you're in a team and you're doing the right stuff and you have a good team and you're known because you're doing your, your stuff right, other teams, when they find stuff, will bring you in. When I do an investigation, I always – I would say 95 percent of the time, if, if it's possible and it's big enough, bring uh, – and maybe not for the first investigation, but after that, I bring, bring other teams in. I'll bring two or three people from another team in, two or three other teams if it's big enough. Because I like them to be able to experience it as well. And then they do you the favor back and they bring you places. So it's not like these places that are secret aren't that secret. Other people go in there. It's just you don't want the mass general public going in there. 
you know, there's a, there's a hotel called the Hotel Redland that we do here. We find out that room 202 is super haunted. So now room 202 is booked every day. So if we don't, now we have to call ahead and make sure we have room 202 because it's now is known as the haunted room. And so they make a lot of money off that room, which is great. But it used to be nobody cared about that room or people would say, oh, that's the creepy room. Nobody wanted to stay there. And so it was open all the time. Now we don't have access to it anymore unless we call ahead. So that's what things happen, you know. <laughs> but it's not like total secrecy, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think some people just keep it as a secret to be like, you know, to be jerks about it. But if we keep something secret, if I do, it's not to be a jerk about it. It's only because it's for protection for the place or protection for sometimes, you know, it depends. Do, do you think our interest in the paranormal is because death is the final frontier? That we don't know what's going to... We don't really fully under that. I personally believe in reincarnation. So yeah. I don't think it is. I don't think it's final. I think I think that we're all energy. You know that's why these ghosts. If the ghosts are able to interact with EMF, uh, barometric pressure, you know, static electricity, and 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 we're made out. We're made of you know so much water, and we're affected by the by the moon and everything. There's I guarantee you that everything is just energy. It's a different you know at a different frequency, and it's all just light and energy and whatever there's no way that we just die there's just no way and you can see the you can see the things go on in life that there's just so i don't believe in coincidence i just believe that there's things that happen that you know there's things that are greater going on than that what then what we know we well, don't know anything quite yet i have a theory that well i have two theories you may have heard them before but theory one not theory one that god is a energy force and when we die we join him like uh like a hive mind. Theory one. Theory two is a little bit more controversial. I've said this to people before, and they think I'm a little bit odd. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. God. Try me. God is schizophrenic. He's all very quiet. Dr. Fal- Malachi Martin, he was like a, Dr. Malachi Martin was a, he was a, a, a huge exorcist, and he used to say that, um, well, he said that uh, people that are schizophrenic, that most people like in, uh, that most of them probably were um, possessed. Yeah. Like a good majority of them. <laughs> so maybe God's possessed, or that would really make sense. But it, but why do you think he would be schizophrenic? Well, well basically, because in the Bible, I mean, I'm not quoting the Bible. We are made in God's image. So if we're made in God's image, we are both good and bad. And I think God is a, a combination of both. Because we need we need to have good and bad in the world. Without one, the other one can't exist. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, definitely everything, there's dualism throughout the world. I mean, who knows what exists so much? I mean, we know now that time, you know, it changes as opposed to, you know, by altitude. And so it's like, what, what is time? Like, does is, does time really exist? Or is it something are in just in this dimension? Or this, who knows what's going on? That's a bigger thing than ghosts. I mean, maybe it explains the same thing. Maybe it's, I'm sure it's all related. It is all related, but... uh yeah, I don't know. The, the whole, you know, I try to, I try to separate. I mean, sometimes you can. In possession cases, you can't, you can't do it. But I try to separate religion from from ghosts. Oh yeah, it's just, it's just an example. I, I it's find just, that then it just causes a lot of causes a lot of. Problems. I just like to throw it out there as a form of debate. 
Yeah, it's a deba- it's a debate. It's not. I don't. I mean, it, you know, it's a theory. I mean, I don't care if people debunk it. It don't bother me. But I know Emily is um, quite uh, quite an intelligent lady. I know she's listening in. Um, and um, I'm here. Oh, she is. And, I'm here. And, and you mentioned before about um, your theory about this side of the, what I mentioned earlier to David. According to what part are you wanting to talk about? <laughs> the bit, the, the bit when I about God being schizophrenic. It's a, it's a big pit, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, you know um, I don't think he's schizophrenic uh, by any means. Uh, I don't think he's worried about anybody coming after him. Uh, but I do believe that. Uh, we are made in his likeness and in, in his image, but that was before the fall of uh, Eden, because he made he made the world, he created man, he took the rib from man and made Eve, but then Eve sinned, she ate the apple, so that's what caused corruption, but ultimately opened up the gateway to Jesus. So, um, yes, we are made in, made in his image and likeness, but then sin destro- destroyed it with the fall of Eve and Adam in the garden. Now, do you when do you know when we experience demons as such? We all know that the the church has the Vatican has a unit that deals with exorcism. They don't like to promote it, but we all know it exists because all priests are taught how to do an exorcism. So basically, yeah, the devil, a lot of them. Yeah. So uh, basically, exorcisms at my church, though, too. I mean, I've I've witnessed several things throughout the years um i'm sorry if anybody's listening i'm sick i have a cold but um uh you know i don't know why they want to keep it so secret over there um my church i'm thankful i grew up in a spiritual church that accepted people for who they were and accepted them even through their battles and helped them through the uh demon possession cases and actually seen them whole and set free from whatever held them captive so uh yeah, I, I'm curious why the Catholic Church keeps it so silent. The Catholic Church keeps everything silent with all the scandal and everything yeah, that goes on. They're like the government, yeah. <laughs> very yeah. silent. Yeah. I mean, think about think about all the stuff that they have down underneath there in the Vatican, all that secret stuff, all those nice trinkets and stuff they have down there with all the secrets. Must be nice. Well, I, I just think I, I think this is a good example. Come here. Oh, if I could have a magical gift, I wish I could be invisible to some of these places and just go in there and just listen for a few days. Yeah, but you know what? We catch you like a ghost with infrared meters. <laughs> you want to be a ghost and all of a sudden you're invisible, but you, you don't realize that IR meters go off and then you can't do anything. <laughs> that sucks. Well, I, I, just, I just think it's important that we discuss things like this because that's why I like what the pet. What, what do you think of when you die, you just... You wake back up, but you're invisible. <laughs> and uh, then you're walking around. That's why we can catch them on the REM pods. And, uh, I, I, and think, I, think we, I think when you go, I think that you're allowed to come back if you want to. I think you can come back and visit. And some people like visit and say, do nice things. Like they, they'll, they'll help you out a little bit, you know. And there's others that are naughty. They're not demons. They're just a bit... Not you'd be angry because that. Well, here, here's a, here's something I'll t- I'll say. Um, my mom, my grandmother passed away when I was 15 years old on my maternal side. My mom and uh, I had my little boy, and it was the first grandson. 
and uh, my mom had a very hard time uh, with the birth because she loves her grandson, but she just wished her mother was there to, you know, to see the baby and everything. And um, about three or four days after I gave birth to Jet, um, she had a dream. And in the dream, she was in these clouds and everything. And in the clouds came out my grandmother. And she says, don't worry about it. I see him, and he's beautiful. And then she vanished. So I, I do think that sometimes they can come down and visit um, with, when they need to or want to or give comfort. It could be, you know, in, in the room physically that you see something or even signs like on the radio or uh, numbers or anything like that and dreams. So... Uh, I'm glad that my grandmother did that because it gave my mom comfort, and, you know, and it also gave me comfort knowing that she knows that, you know, I, I have a baby, a son, and she's watching over us. What do you think demons possibly are? What do you, do, what do I think demons are? Yes. Well, I revert back to the Bible over that. Um, it, it's the sons of God. They, they come down they came down and tried to get into the bloodline but the sons of God fallen angels. fallen angels from the Bible those are demons they have are they've been around here for thousands and thousands of years and uh, they can mutate uh, into other things and even take on human form so that's, that's what I'm saying that was like the bloodline of the giants right yeah the, yeah that's what the giants in the land were uh, that's why David killed Goliath but um but anyway, they uh, they can mutate um, and even be in human form. That's why you know it's 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 crucial for people to be aware of their environment when they go into these places. I don't like going to these big, huge locations that pe- thousands and thousands of people have gone to because you don't know what they carried in with them. And you need a gift of discernment when you go into these houses and stuff to know what you're fighting or you know to you're helping people. Ultimately, you're helping people try to find answers. And if it's through debunking, like I've debunked several things based off sunlight, hitting a mirror off a picture frame that went to the wall at 4 p.m. every day. You know, um, so, you know, the spiritual world is very real. But what actually is being produced in the location that you're going to is what you need to find out. And demons are very real. Angels are very real. And the spirits that are in between are real also. So you have to figure out what you're facing. I was looking up. It's in Genesis 19, 1 to 22, that they have the ability to appear in human form. Yeah. Well, perhaps they're the aliens we're seeing. Perhaps they, we're not seeing aliens. Perhaps they're angels. And they have, they have authority over this world. I mean, you know, Jesus, God, gave Satan the key to this planet. So, so they te- they can possess they can possess people. They seek who they may devour. So they can pos- they can possess people. They can possess objects, and they can also possess land territories. And there's a hierarchy in uh, the dimensions of what possesses who. Like Jezebel has a spirit above her that can control her. That tells her when she can act up and when she cannot move. I cannot remember that spirit's name right now, but... Yeah, there's a lot to learn. They learn yeah. a lot in those classes, I'm sure. It, well, it's... It, demon possession is... is a huge subject with very many levels. Because you can go in... 
start out with an oppression. Someone can be oppressed for years. And and I believe that uh, the America, the, the world is oppressed. The whole world's oppressed. And you can be oppressed for years and years and years. You may never be possessed, but you can be oppressed. But then at that can lead to other things, which, you know. They said it's the, I was looking it up, it says the Leviathan spirit. When you have to deal with the Jezebel spirit, also have yeah. the Leviathan spirit operating yeah. with them. Well, you know, there's a certain, I don't know if David, I'm not going to say her name on this show, but there's a certain star that's on a, a celebrity that's on a TV show. And I saw her and I could see the Jezebel spirit, but I, I told David, I said, there's something else above her that's controlling her. I didn't know about this demon, but I could see it, and I could see it. It was kind of like his fingers were going up and down, like moving her, and she looked like a robot. So I ended up Googling it, and that was the name. Remember that, David, when we talked about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I have a gift. God gave me a gift of discernment. I've seen things in people throughout the years um, and, and stuff. So going back to the ghost is that, you know, Yes, go and investigate, but you need to be very aware of, you may be dealing with something a lot deeper than maybe a family-friendly Casper. Yes, I like that film. <laughs> I also, I, do you do like a um, cleansing before you go in or after investigations? I think it's different for the both of us. Um, I actually do a lot through praise and worship. Um, I pray and, you know, and ask God to show me what he wants me to see to help these people and, um, and you know, capture things on voice because I do mostly voice. I don't do video all that much. And um, just leave me to which way he goes. Um, I've never really truly had anything follow me home except one time I was stupid and probably shouldn't have done this. I did allow, you have to allow these things to follow you. And, um, there was a ghost here, um, at the Seton Manor in Ashland, Kentucky. His name was Robert, which I think is linked to the Ashland massacre. And he was popping up everywhere. No matter where I went on DVPs and ghost box, he said, it's Robert. And I'm, I would tell him, you've got to go. You've got to leave. And he'd say, bye. I mean, I have on my SoundCloud, have tons of Robert Ghost Box, Robert EVPs at different places, but it's him. And uh, I, I think that being a mother and this this thing was uh, down at the Seton Manor, he's 15 years old, uh, and, and we were getting, see, Ashland, Kentucky was called Pope's Landing before it was deemed Ashland. So, you know, I, the first night I started getting messages from Robert, uh, I was down in the basement of the Seton Manor setting up cameras, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw something move, and right out from the floor popped up. It looked like one of these yard cards that they put out in yards that says happy birthday or anniversary or whatever, and it popped up out of the ground with the letter R, and it went, went really fast, and it actually was the area that we finally found that Robert stayed at. He, he had a geopad that we put it up on the strongest level, you would be stomping all around this geopad and nothing would go off. And when we turn the lights off and we start asking Robert questions, he tapped that geopad. And um, then he started showing up on ghost spots, but I, I'd ask him how old he was. He's 15. Uh, he uh, hurt his leg, which in the Ashland massacre, 
uh, Robert that passed away. The Ashland Massacre is uh, similar to the Villisca house that David's really familiar with, um, with Axe murder uh, of these children during Christmas um, and then caught the house on fire. But uh, that was late 1800s. And, uh, but Robert would show up, he'd say he's 15, he said he hurt his leg, and it was in the vicinity of where all this took place also. And I'd ask him where, where, what town we're in, and you can hear it says Pogue's Landing. And it was Pogue's Landing back then. So, uh, but yeah, Robert would pop around every once in a while. He doesn't now. I prayed. Uh, it was stupid of me to even think about doing that, but I connected with him, and I felt bad. He's 15, supposedly. So... <laughs> David witnessed Robert. Yep. Oh. A couple of times, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Geeks Paranormal did, too. What do you do then, David, to do... Do you do cleansing or anything like that? Not really. <laughs> you just basically go in... Basically, I don't. I don't ask for anything. Come back with me. I, I, I open that thing. I close every time I do a, uh, any kind of anything. You know, I'm like thank yous and, you know, <clears throat> I have, I've had stuff kind of, you know, more feelings than ghosts follow me back home. I mean, I, I have artifacts. I, I have from places. So I don't. I, yeah, I'm kind of. People would think I'm not like. A, don't protect myself well enough, probably people would say, but um, I'm just not a, uh, I don't know. I, just I know what protects you, David, it's your hat. <laughs> it's my hat. There is, under all my caps, listen, this is a secret, I'll just let you guys know on this podcast, that there is tinfoil under every single cap I wear. Really? I didn't know that's, that. That's why I'm sweating so much all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's because it's Miami. No, I do not wear tinfoil. It's a joke. I was like... Even my girlfriend thinks I wear tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. I do not. But, if, but listen, if that's going to help me, I will. I could just imagine me going on a, radio, on a TV show, someone listening and going, and, and asking you, oh, we heard on your uh, show that you talked to this British guy, and you mentioned about tinfoil on your, on your hat. Can we see it, please? Well, you know, somebody's going to start a company now making tinfoil hats under caps. They're going to make a lot of money. Well, they, they, there is a theory that he's meant to block out um, signals of some sort. Well, but I mean, it's not, you know, you can do it with the ghost box. There is a little bag that comes with that PSB7 or anything that, but, you know, you, you just put it, it's a, a, what's it called, a Faraday cage. You just kind of, you'd be putting a metal around something and, and it just won't block every signal. So I learned about Faraday cages through Doctor Who. That's how I learned that. Yes. <laughs> you, they used to use it a lot in the Doctor Who universe as a way of escaping. In a Faraday cage? No, he, oh, um, to get out, so to get get out of situations, you know. Yeah. I I also think that um I have a personal theory about time travel. I I believe that I am time traveling at this moment. Because I am talking to you at nearly gone <laughs> up to midnight, my end, and basically it's gone seven o'clock your end. Yes. Well, it is like when you're traveling. When I go to see you in an airplane, 
man, I'm time traveling because I just actually got more time, right? And it was ready to go backwards. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's not backwards. Yeah, I mean, you go backwards in time, and when you go backwards, when you come see me, then you would get gain time because yeah. you will leave at seven p.m. You might get here at seven p.m. Yeah, or something. I mean, I mean, I know it's not an exact science way of saying it's not. I'm not saying I found this new way of time travel. I'm not a um, Stephen Hawkins or anything like that. But it's it's just my personal thing that I I like to mention to people because people think, oh, don't be so daft. And I think, well, we'll think about it. You know, if I I I, I talk to someone, once, yeah, I could that could be interesting that one, wouldn't it? I could I could be tapping into him without realizing it. You probably are. I think Did so. anybody try to, to contact him, like Steve Huff? <laughs> no, I, I think he wouldn't talk to some uh, somebody that lives in holes with in a bungalow. I think he might bar past me. I think I think he probably wouldn't think my intelligence was enough. He'd probably think oh, I'm not talking. That's to it. I'm not talking. The controversy comes. Or can you can you contact you know can you contact. Um, a dead person who didn't, you know, live in your house at your house, you know. Yeah, I imagine you get that a lot. Mark and I are going to be doing a little bit of that, aren't we? Yes, we're doing. Um, we're going to try and watch films. See, that was a pass to you guys. You see, that was nice, right? Yeah. yeah uh, that <laughs> we're going to try to watch films. But basically, uh, well, I'll give an example which I gave to Emily at the time. We watch film, old films. I'm going to say John Wayne because he's the one I like. John Wayne. Anyway, we watch John Wayne, and when we watch John Wayne films, technically, we're watching a ghost. He died quite a long time ago. And I, I believe that the essence of him is still in that film, in the films he made. I think so, too. And see, David, remember, I, was, I told him this the last time I was on his show, on uh, Mark's show, is that, you know, the Thurber house, like, I, they had it, I wanted to watch this video so bad, not so much for me to know the history or anything, but just to see Mr. Thurber's uh, characteristic or how he handled himself. He, he was a uh, comedic drawler, writer, book. Uh, he wrote some books, illustrated. And uh, so they had a seven-minute video. And so I decided to watch the seven-minute video because it's an interview of him. And I put my uh, recorder on the fireplace and sat down and just watched. And then I went back home and reviewed and I got seven EVPs just watching that seven minute move little clip uh, uh, and it was a man's voice it, the EVPs I couldn't hardly make out really because it, was, it did sound like like mumbling a little bit but you could definitely hear a man's voice uh, that was deep and um, I think that you know this house he grew up in and, and you play those things that it, it's kind of like it sucks it up and um and it brings out, you know, more energy to maybe possibly communicate with the actual person. I think there's a theory out there. I don't know. I can't remember if it's North Native Americans or not. I may be wrong. That they um, used to not want to be photographed because they were frightened that their, their, their image would be kept and they wouldn't be allowed to move on to their version of heaven. I'm not, too oh, sure. I've heard of that. I'm not too sure if I'm correct. But, uh, here's what I want to know. What was so, uh, you know, I should I should know this because, you know, my background, 
I took a lot of classes in college, the history classes, but it was in for Gilded America from like 1875 to 1902. So it was during Reconstruction period and all that stuff. But you know, taking pictures of the dead when they were dead and like they would prop them up and make them look like they were still alive. I love those photos. Family photos. Oh, the Western ones. Yeah, I've seen loads of them. But you have to remember they used to they used to show, you know show the people at their homes and you know leave yeah, them there for the day. It was different back then. Room. It was death room. And then yeah, people started getting creeped out. Then. And I think in like the night, late eighteen hundred, early nineteen hundred, not might be nineteen twenties even, they started calling it the living room because nobody would go into those rooms anymore. And so they stopped doing the funerals in, in their parlor, main parlors, and started doing the funeral homes and things. But it might have been late eighteen hundreds when all that stuff happened. But you know. Why? Why though? Why your child is dead and all this stuff? And, and you know they would put them together like family photos, and they would go so far to prop these bodies up on stands, like mount them, and to take pictures. And I, I just don't understand that. Did you watch a program called Dark Tourist on Netflix? No, Dark Forest. Dark Tourist. T O R I S T. Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, on this program, he went to a place, I can't remember, not like the Day of the Dead, but there was this place where they dig up the bodies every year and they have a little party with their de- dear departed grandmother or all. They, they kept the their mother, I think it was the mother or the father, he was in the house for two years before they buried him. Because he was, had, they, oh they wanted to keep him there. So he could say, like, final goodbyes. For two years? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. It's definitely on the program, but I can't remember which one. But uh, what, Wasn't there a stinger here, Dave? I, James Brown or something that kept in a glass casket in his house for a long time, too, before they actually buried him? I have no idea. James I never Brown. heard about that. Yeah, it, one of these, you know... Uh, Soul singers, um, what was it? Rockabilly people, I don't know, uh, passed away. I think, it, I think it was James Brown. They kept him in his casket in his home for a long time, uh, and it was a glass casket before they finally buried him. I don't know. They may not have been. I'm going to have to look that up. I'll look that up, Mark, and send it to you. Uh, well, I, I, when, when I was in care work, I, I, I unfortunately had to uh, go in a room where a lady was dying. And while, while, before she passed away, I felt as if something had left her body. I didn't see nothing, I didn't hear nothing, but I had the sense that something had left. You know, something had gone. Yeah. Do you think that well, that's true, or was I just imagining it? No, I think it's true. I think, I think that if you're sensitive to it, you will feel it. Um, I worked in a hospital for 13 years, and um, it was extremely hard for me to work on the oncology unit. Um, I think I only worked there maybe a handful of times the whole time I've worked worked at the hospital. Um, you can definitely sense death. Death actually does have a smell. They, it, uh, David smells it beforehand, but, um, you know, it, working in the hospital, you could walk into a patient's room and uh, you, you could smell, smell death even though they're not dead. Um, you know, days before they actually die, and, and people that are under chemo treatments and have cancer, that, that smells different than other smells, but um, you can definitely 
it's almost if you know the person's struggling because I I worked on um test, or test pain you know I did work on test pain unit but I worked on code blue so uh, as a scribe and um so I was in a lot of situations where you know they were doing compressions and trying to save people but um you you could tell if the person's suffering especially do not resuscitate DNRs and they pass away there is a calming that happens but it's also in peace that happens when finally somebody passes away and it lasts for a few moments but then you feel the sadness that comes over the family members and the oh my gosh I want to tear up thinking about it um and so I, I could not work oncology for it. family members would come up to the desk and be crying and I start crying too um did, did you find, Emily, that they had one good day, like before they would pass away? It's like their last chance. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. They're like a, like a, you, they give, that you're given one good day so that you can spend with your family when you, you are who you used to be. I'm not saying you are what you used to be, right. but you, you know what I mean. You're up laughing and joking and, oh, yeah. hello, John, I haven't seen you for a while, that kind of thing. I think it, that's I, the I gift we're given. I have a theory on that, but it's more biblical, so I don't know if I, if I want to talk about that or not. But, you know, it's like they're, they're given one last chance to, to if there's broken relationships in the family. Um, I'll, I'll tell you an example. My uh, grandmother on my dad's side, he, she was, a, oh, my gosh, she was a praying grandma, I'll tell you. Uh, she had lung cancer, and she was dying, but there was a feud going on between my dad and my uncle, and uh, one one night, uh, she says, I'm not going to die until my family passes away, or I'm not going to die until my family's back together again, and uh, Friday night after church revival up at my church, my dad came home, he's like, well, I'm going to go visit him, I'm going to go visit my brother, and uh, so we're like, are you, we're, my mom, I think my mom even said, do you need me to call the police after so, so, much, so much time? And, and then he's like, no, well, they made up. Well, then that Saturday night, you know, they went over to my grandmother's house. My dad has 11 brothers and sisters. And then that Sunday morning, she passed away. So, I mean, people hold out on things. And I think, too, if there's any kind of turmoil going on within the family or if you don't, if you don't have, if you have loose skins that you need to close up, I think that you do have that one last chance. And it could be a day. I've seen people snap back and be better, you know, for a week you know, and then pass away. Yeah, I, I so. think, I think, I think that, as you say, that we're given it as a gift. Uh-huh. Sorry, David, we're going a bit extra shape, I don't, I can't remember the word. No, yeah. I, Emily wasn't talking for a while. No, it's good, she's getting, she's getting some time in there. If anybody's listening and wondering, who is this person we're talking about? We're talking. This is Emily. I always get the last bit wrong. She's always tells me off. Stakely. Stakely. Emily Stakely. Yeah, yeah. Because of, because of the M bit, it, it, it's come from German, German. She told me it's German. And I always pronounce yeah, Menhausen. Menhausen. Yeah. I always I pronounce it wrong the first time we talked. She could have given me oh, smack. Okay. She could have t- given me a good old smack on the wrist, but she didn't. Emily is. Yeah, okay. oh, Emmy is behind Frick and Frack. Look it up, people. And the dirty, 
I like this one. The dirty ghost box, which I we had a chat about last time, and we can't really go about what they said on the show because yet again, as we mentioned last time, I talked to you. I would never be allowed on radio ever again. Because <laughs> basically, it's rude words. It would be words like beep, 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 and beep, and a yeah. more beep. beep, beep. Cherry Springer. It'd be a Cherry Springer show. Beep, beep, beep. They beep all that stuff out. You <laughs> that would be that would be a that would be a really good reality show. <laughs> the through dirty ghost box. You you've got Jerry Springer asking about that, having them on the show, asking about their relatives, and every other word appear. Beep beep. Sorry, I just had that come to my head. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, I think we've uh, covered many things, and I know David mentioned earlier that he has to go and get some food. He's fed the dogs. <laughs> David has to eat some dinner. Yeah, it's late David worries about his food too much. He <laughs> should not be eating food and exercising more, but he does not. But well, David still needs food. We all need food to survive. So I shall end this now, and I've had. I, we've, I think we've had a good conversation. I, I hope so. We've covered a lot of subjects, and I should like to end it in my unique sign-off way, which yes. Emily knows about, oh, and da- sing, Mark. and David does sort of know about, but he may not know about. I'm not too sure. No, I don't. Oh well, David, you're in for a shot. Right, ready. <clears throat> I just got to clear my throat. Thank you, David and Emily, for being on my show. Emily came in late because she was sick, you know. Thank you for doing that, my friend. And thank you, David, for our chat. It was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful. Should, should I sing back? You can do if you want, if you've got enough voices. Well, I'd like to thank you. No, come on. There you are. I can't even get David to sing. Didn't I sing Let's Get It On or something like that earlier? Yeah, yeah, go on then. David could say, I want to have my food. I want it now in the microwave soon. I may not want... I want it to eat it for my tea. The dogs have eaten. Why not me? Sorry, David. Love your shows. You know that, right? I, I, I talk to everybody about you. This, this, your shows are really fun to be on, and I truly appreciate the invitation to come on. That's okay. She, she loves you. She loves you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, David. We have to run away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my wife, my, my wife of uh, 26 years, may, may, may have a word about that. But yeah. And you live in America. She needs to get her passport first, though. <laughs> she, she does need to get her passport. Oh, she's she's, yeah. she's coming yeah, over soon to do a show in. Late. I think she's coming. Emily's coming over to do a show in prison soon. I think she told me once. She's doing a TV show in Canada. Yeah. Do you want to even talk about it? I don't know if I'm really allowed to talk about it. But, but it's, it's a show. It's a show in general. They're so. writing. They're <laughs> writing. It's, it's going to be called Haunted Hospitals and. They're writing a um, script because I have the stories behind it, what happened to me at the hospital I worked, I worked in. 
and they're you know TV shows are scripted. Um, no, come uh, on. Who who would ever think a TV yeah, show was scripted? scripted. So, come on. Yeah, they're, they're writing the script. I'm waiting on it. I gotta get my passport. My passport is expired in May, so I'm getting my passport. And actually, I should be hearing back from him probably. Uh, I'd say this week because he he told me it'd be about two or three weeks. I think it's been two weeks. So hopefully I'll hear, I'll hear back from them this week. If not, I'll just message them next week. But yeah, they're, they're wanting to start filming in November or in Vancouver, Canada. Oh, lovely warm and... It, it'll, be play, it'll, it'll be played where you are. It should be. It's, uh, uh, BBC? No, 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 over in England. Uh, yeah, BBC. It's, it's CBC it's, it's going to be on, though. Yeah, okay. but that's going to be CBC. That's Canadian Broadcasting. I thought you said CBC, so that's it's children's Discovery, well, it's Discovery Investigation or something. Yeah, Discovery. cool. Look out, uh, folks. Check yeah. out all these things. Any links you please give them out now before we sign off the end part. Do yours, Emily? Do yours. Well, um, I, you can just find Freaking Fright Paranormal, but I'm an affiliate now with Prism with David, so you can just go to dcdeadpeople.org. Uh, Dot.com, yeah, dot com, and um, yeah, yeah, it's there. This is Paranormal Research South Florida on Facebook. I'm Ghost Hunter with a zero on Instagram. Emily Men's House Stakely on Instagram. Uh, she's freaking got freaking frat, fra- freaking frat Paranormal on Instagram. It, uh, our SoundCloud, though, if you all want to hear like some really awesome EVPs, SoundCloud backslash Frick and it's an A N D. Well, what I would like to do, with your permission, please, if I can ask your permission, I would like to put some of them on my podcast, if that's possible. Sorry, people, we're, yeah. ha- we're having a lover's tiff on radio. Don't just ignore me. I'm uh, just in the uh, background. I- I'm just, a, I'm just, I'm just the host. I'm nobody, really. It's okay. They've made out now, folks. We're quite happy about that. So, so nobody, anybody Thank listening in, please, be, please be, make sure you listen in again. I will share this everywhere I can share it. And I'd like to thank again the people coming on my show. And Emily, please get well soon. And David, thank you very oh, much. Yeah. Good night. Goodbye. And as Sotty would once say, if you don't know who Sotty is, please look him up. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Goodbye.